Welcome to Notes from the Field, brought to you by Noeo Science. Gordon, how are you doing, Will? Hey, buddy. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. So I was gone last week, so uh, yeah, I, I uh, heard that. We wish we would have had you. Yeah, that, we had that's some fun. lingering unanswered questions. We'll have to come well, back to. Yeah, I'm no turkey expert, but I heard that you <laughs> and uh, Luke Ryan uh, yeah. talked about turkeys. We had a, we had a good time. You don't have to repeat anything because I'll just have to listen to the episode. Yeah, and educate myself. There you go. We had he had he's he had a lot of interesting theological questions mm-hmm. for you, so we might have to have him back sometime. Cool. He's quite a field. A field uh, naturalist. He spends an awful lot of time attracting right. those birds now. So anyway, that was fun. We're talking about another bird today. Yeah. Another creature feature, two birds in a row. Yeah. We'll have to switch to uh, herp. We haven't done a herp yet. Yeah. Well, we've talked about them a lot, but we'll focus on one herp next time. That sounds good to me. But this week, we, drum roll, the barn owl. The barn owl. Taito alba. Alba. That's the scientific name. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I, you know, in choosing, uh, you know, Will, you uh, said you go ahead and choose the, what is it, critter spot? What are we calling this? Creature feature. Creature feature, critter spotlight. Yeah. I know we did critter spotlight in Riot in the Dance. Okay, gotcha. Creature feature. Yeah. Got it. And so I was just uh, Rolodexing through my brain uh, and... You're gonna have um, to explain that to the younger crowd. Oh yeah, Rolodex. Those are <laughs> these little turn turny things that have. Well, never mind. <laughs> look, look it up. <laughs> look, look up the look Rolodex. Up. So <laughs> I was, I was, I was scrolling. There we go. Scrolling yeah. through my my brain and just thinking of uh, an interesting bird. And uh, I really, really like the barn owl in every possible way. Um, Absolutely, they are a. Beautiful. I love all owls, but the owls are special. Yeah, owls are special, and uh, but this one sort of sort of stands apart from the rest of the owls. You know, um, the order for owls. You've got some families in there, and the 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 typical owls are in what Strigidae, Strigid and mm-hmm. this is in um, Titanidae. Titanidae. Almost, so, almost by itself. All by it, yeah. Almost by itself. Yeah. And um, you know, I love. Uh, you know, when we, you, you have you, you understand this. Sometimes when you hear a creature's name, you just you almost have a visceral reaction, mm-hmm. like of joy, or some intense reaction. That when you say barn owl, I can't help but just get this emotional response. Yeah. So what what is it about its looks uh, that you? like so much well i mostly respond to its sound oh its sound it's its got a very spooky absolutely frightening Mm -hmm. if you've if you've been in almost any semi semi rural place at night Mm -hmm. in most of the world except for the high arctic and yeah and and high mountains and antarctic you might have heard a shriek in fact, some I, I describe it as a banshee. Some people yeah. describe them as hobgoblins or demon owls. Yeah, their vocalization. I mean, there's not, is yeah, just, it's, it's different. Like all, it. It's not at all the hoot. It's not hoo, a nice hoo, warm hoo, hoot, hoo, hoot. <laughs> uh, that other owls do. It's a, it's this this screech, this this long, uh, uh, 
blood curdling <laughs> yeah. screech. Yeah. And then they hiss too when they're being more defensive, like a snake. Right. Um, and their looks, you know, describe their face. I mean, yeah. The the sort of a heart-shaped mm-hmm. uh facial, they call them ornithologists call them facial discs. Facial disc, yeah. So there are some other creatures that maybe serve as good analogies here. Grizzly bears kind of have a facial disc, mm-hmm. comparing the shape of their face to a black bear. When the coloration is the same, the hump on the back of the grizzly and the facial kind of roundness to it, kind of a parabolic type of shape. Uh, barn owls have the most significant uh, of any vertebrate that yeah, I'm aware it's almost, of. It's almost like a, a, a satellite dish face. Yes. Um, and a lot of owls have that facial disc, but this one, a lot of owls have more of a pupil with an iris that's just much more of a, um, more of a familiar looking eye, mm-hmm. whereas the, the barn owl has a, a very black eye. You don't see. Very black eye. Uh, yeah, contrasted and I is that, that all pupil or is that uh, a, just a very dark iris and a pupil? That's an interesting question. Yeah, I would that, assume I it's know. both. Yeah. Uh, I would assume it's a pupil uh, as well. But yeah, the contrast of that pale facial disc, which is kind of like a parabola, kind of like a shallow satellite dish with those dark eyes. And they're just they're just capturing capturing every bit of sound, sound that they yeah. can. It's, a, funneling it's a, them. like a sound funnel. It's a sound uh, funnel. It's and, a parabolic microphone. Yeah. And it's sort of heart-shaped. That disc is heart-shaped with the, uh, in the right, or a fat, very fat heart. Um, mm-hmm. Not the real heart, but the, you know, the, the Valentine heart. The, the Hallmark heart. Yeah. So, yeah, feel free to Google an image of the barn owl. Yeah, and you please can do. see that, that face. And then the, the tawny uh, uh, dappled colors. If you look closely at a barn owl's feathers, they are just uh, gorgeous in a, in a, very earth tone mm-hmm. and beautiful. It's very buff on the belly and a uh, white face, but it gives it sort of a ghosty look because of those black eyes in the in the white facial disc yeah. uh, that funnels the sound in. And because they are mostly nocturnal hunters, they have to um, find their prey in almost pitch black. Um, now they can see, but uh, and they've got good night vision, but uh, they really rely a lot on sound. Absolutely. And, um, what's really interesting about their ear uh, ear holes, now owls just in general have a lot of feathers. So their skull is like the, the paper cone on a cotton candy, you know? <laughs> Ooh, I like that. That's good. <laughs> and and their feathers just really poof out. Yeah, so, they look like they should weigh a lot more than they do. I know. So their head is deceivingly, um, their actual skull and head are d- much smaller than what it looks like. There's just quite a, their, their feathers on their head violate consider air, considerable airspace on the, <laughs> yeah. on the, on the top and either side. I remember when I was a kid, it wasn't a barn owl, but there was somebody had a pet owl. Um, in, we were living in Michigan at the time. And I remember it was, I was able to put my hands on its head mm. and, uh, it was just a nice owl. And I just, I pressed the feathers down and it just kept going and going. I was like, where is the head? It's, it's, it's like your head sinking pea, into that down pillow. It's like a pea-sized head. Uh, no, it was bigger than that. Maybe a walnut. But um, just amazing amount of feathers. Yeah. And uh, the ear canals underneath the feathers are asymmetrically placed. Yeah. One is higher than the other. And I don't know all of the 
the um uh All the you know the physics there, there yeah. but the the asymmetry of the ear canals helps them to tr- as the sound hits their ears it helps them to triangulate in in their brain somehow yes and it gives them um and the facial disc helps also uh to funnel the sound the asymmetric ears will also help them with um, not only direction, uh, but the facial disc helps them with distance. Yeah. How how far they have to fly down before they hit the object, the ground, usually. Right. And they've done some studies where, I, I wouldn't want to do a study like this, where they've removed the facial disc. Ugh. Yeah. So... I don't know what they did, shaved it or whatever. So they got rid of the facial disc. And um, when it was removed, they can still determine the direction of the sound, but they can't determine the height Hmm. that they're descending to the prey. So the facial disc really helps them to know how far. Depth perception. Interesting. Really, really cool. And... Again, they're mostly nocturnal, but, um, and they, yeah. Yeah, they're they're incredible predators. Uh, So barn owls, um, they prey on a wide variety of of animals, mostly vertebrates, mostly mammals in most Mm -hmm. studies. I did read one study uh, from California population of barn owls that that preyed very much on, on, on birds. Mm-hmm. Um, so they will prey on birds yeah. as well. And this study also found that a fair number of them are, are cannibals. Mm-hmm. Uh, great horned owls are also been known to be cannibals. That, that could be when a chick dies, right. uh, that the parents decide to go ahead and, and, and eat it. Uh, right. I'm not sure, uh, how, th- how that behavior works, right. um, but they are, uh, and of course, uh, everyone knows barn owls because most of us, or I would say a lot of us, uh, did some, did some time dissecting owl pellets. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, really one of the most fun natural act, natural history activities you can do yeah. as a kid is dissecting an owl pellet and trying yeah. to, to determine, hey, is this uh, does this hip bone or does this skull go to yeah. a vole or does it go a to mouse, a bird yeah. or you some other mammal? Comparative anatomy. And yeah. Skeletons yeah. of small mammals. And it does Not make... my long suit. <laughs> right. So it does make for an interesting, and that's, a, that's kind of a unique, I guess fairly unique among birds that that these creatures will cough up the yeah. the fur uh, and, and or the feathers and bones of their prey. Yeah. So unlike, yeah, mostly, unlike other raptors. Mostly uh, mammals, small mammals. But what's interesting about these barn owls is that um, if prey is abundant, they'll often start specializing in a particular, and they'll specialize on a particular, um, whether it's voles or whatever seems to be in the greatest abundance, they'll just, um, they'll feed on mostly. But then when prey is scarce, they'll, they'll be opportunistic and it's like, what's, what's available? Yeah. And so, like you said, um, they will not just eat, they're not that fussy. They, they'll eat the small mammals, um, rodent, mostly rodents, but there's, uh, rabbits, um, uh, hares and, and sometimes even bats. Hmm. Um, but they'll also, like you said, the birds, they'll, they'll take birds, they'll take, um, amphibians, they'll take, um, other reptiles. And then, um, 
even insects. Oh, okay. They'll they'll, they'll take some bigger insects. Insects like Katie dids and crickets. Um, yeah, interesting. They'll, they'll 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 eat what's available if if uh, their favorite food isn't um, isn't there. Yeah, another. But when thing... you have this widespread distribution all over, not only North America, well, not up too much into Canada, but all of uh, United States and South, some mm-hmm. into Canada, and then Central America, South America. This is just, can you imagine all the different habitats, you know? Unbelievable. And, uh, and then in Africa, they're all through Africa, except for the Sahara, and then through Europe. I've read, then, I've read somewhere that it's the most widely distributed land bird on the planet. Wow. And so uh, even Central Asia, Southeast Asia, some Pacific islands. Yeah. And all the way down. The Galapagos into, has barn owls. You're, wow. Yeah. And then Australia has barn owls. And there's like um, about, well, just a little under 30 subspecies. Of course, there's probably differences on what constitutes a subspecies, yeah. but that's a very blurry distinction. Just sort of regional differences um, ranging in size and what they eat and what they look like and that sort of thing. But it's just a, so where do they, where do they like to roost? Well, I was going to mention something here and then if that's okay, sure, before sure. we go to roosting, I was thinking about how, something about owls is special. You know, we, we can kind of relate to them. Uh, we, ta- we call them wise. Um, you know, I think of the owl in Winnie the Pooh, who's pretty self-important and hilarious, but you know, I think, I think that relatableness is is mostly because both of their eyes are facing forward. Right. Most birds, the eyes are on the sides of their head, because like a lot of other mammals too. Like, like a lot of prey species have eyes on the side so they can see um, forward, backwards, and what, what predator might be stalking them. But when you're a predator, eyes up front. Eyes up front. And that, that also helps greatly with depth perception. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, owl species, unlike, unlike hawks, that's a, that's a pretty good distinction. The facial disc, the eyes in the front, instead of on the sides of the head, of course, their nocturnal behavior as well. Um, but yeah, let's get into roosting. Yeah. So where do they like to hang out during the day? Not nesting, but roosting. What's the difference, um, Will? Between um, nesting and roosting? Yeah. Uh, so, so roosting is a behavior that can happen really any time of the year. Nesting is exclusive to the breeding season. Right. So birds right. come back to their breeding territory. They usually, uh, some will return to the old nest. Loons will t- come back to the nest they've been coming to for years. A lot of songbirds and smaller birds ma- remake new nests every year, maybe right. nearby the but old But it involves one. actually making a nest, whereas yeah. roosting doesn't necessarily. Roosting just means perching, usually for the night, and it's usually in a large group uh, to maintain warmth and just to sleep. Nesting is for the eggs and to keep them warm and to raise the chicks. Right. And barn owls, you know... They maybe maybe not the best homemakers in the mm-hmm. world. They don't really put much of a nest together. Right. Uh, where do they tend to roost? Have you? Uh... Well, I just uh, I know that once you told me when you went on a ornithology field trip with me down to Hell's Gate, mm. you uh, took us to a place where you knew where a barn owl was roosting, and it was up in some trees. Up in some I think, tree. I think it was in uh, some kind of conifer tree. It was pretty dense. Uh, the branches. And uh, you were pointing, uh, some of us were having a hard time seeing it because it was really, um, you know, it was pretty camouflaged. Yeah. It was really hidden, you know, between all these branches and was just hanging out during the day. That's um, a great spot. And um, 
So they, it's just where they like to sit for the day. Um, yeah, right. Roosting in during the day instead of the night, since they're right. nocturnally active. Right. There are a few, um, I, I read, re- remember, audience, it's not like we're walking encyclopedias that have all these facts. We, we have to, we have to do some online research and figure out a lot of the interesting facts about these things. And, um, I found that one, um, actually great Britain, um, they don't like to hunt when it's really, really wet. So if it, if it's a, a really like a heavy, heavy rain before, uh, or at night, um, they will, um, they will hunt during the day. Oh, interesting. I mean, in Great Britain, I think, and then some Pacific islands, uh, the, the, uh, what I was researching, it was, um, the British barn owls are a bit of a, a bit more soft, little mm-hmm. softies over there. Well, they, and they don't like to hunt during the day, particularly because they often get mobbed right. by other birds. Yeah. And so if they can avoid, um, getting mobbed, yeah. they, they'll try their, their hand or their wing, uh, in the day. Yeah. Hawks hate, hate owls. Uh, really hate them. Uh, it's really amazing. You can call in a hawk mm-hmm. really easy by playing, often playing a great horned owl call. Oh, wow. Um, they just, they have this instinct of just yeah. defending. And when that, and speaking of, uh, we, we've talked a little bit about what barn owls like to eat, but other things like to eat them. Yeah. And that's hawks. It's a lot of, uh, a lot of raptors. A lot of raptors. Yeah. Eagles, hawk, bigger hawks, slightly bigger hawks. Um, uh, even the uh, eagle owl, great horned owl, will take out barn owls. Yeah, um, the number of owl species that kind of fit the same niches that we have here in the temperate zone, the number of owl species in the tropics is kind of shocking if you're flipping through field guides. You know, for every one owl that we have of a certain kind, the tropics maybe has eight plus. Wow. Um, and so they, they do have a lot of avian predators, raccoons, have been oh, yeah. known to prey upon them and some other mammals yeah, as well. Yeah, some opossums. Um, yeah, opossums, raccoons, and then mostly raptors. Do you have a barn owl experience at all? No. Well, other than the one you showed me, um, I can't. I can't remember of a barn owl. I'll, I'll share. I'll yeah, share a couple. Do. Most of mine are audio only. Just actually being in bed and hearing it out the window. Um, just here in town, yeah. uh, barn owls, but my most memorable barn owl experience is, um, was nearby just east of here in Eastern Washington, a little town in Colfax, outside of Colfax, Washington. Some friends of ours were living out in the country there and there was an old barn on their property and, and barn owls are cavity nesters. Mm-hmm. So they like a cavity, whether it's a tree cavity or an old building, They'll oh, nap. yeah, like steeples and, yeah. well, of course, barns. And bar- yeah, and this one was a barn. It oh, was, wow. It was true to its name. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, I was trying to think of, there's another, uh, well. They'll I'll, also do cavities in cliffs. Okay. Oh, interesting. I have seen, so that's a, the, a, maybe a second barn owl story that's shorter. But this one, uh, my friend said, hey, I'm pretty sure there are owls nesting in our barn. And I thought, wow, let's go take a look. And it was maybe... 4 p.m., 3 p.m. in the afternoon, and we go to this barn, and we walk in, and, and right there on the barn floor in the straw and fluff, there's a barn owl and four chicks just wow. sitting right not, there. Not high. but Not high on the barn floor. 
in an floor. open area. Whoa. Or did and, they, and they didn't fall out of anything. That no, was their... and that was where she nested. And wow. so we just got remarkable looks. She wasn't aggressive. Uh, I was assuming it was a she, mostly, mostly. Because that's who ha- hangs out at the. Yeah, the female. The, the female incubates. Yeah, the female incubates. The male brings her food. Um, mm-hmm. And so a lot of bird species that they'll take turns in, in raptors, it tends to be the female incubates and the male brings food. And so the male was still bringing food to the, her and the chicks and, and there they were just checking us out. So That's we got to really see them, beautiful. you know, maybe six, eight feet away. Just beautiful animal. They are. Uh, and I did see one uh, roosting in a cliff. There's a cliff over off. If you take that back road through Genesee down to the Clearwater, there's okay. a... There's oh, it's a, a coyote grade. So yeah, gen- coyote grade. There's kind of this, um, there's this old cliff face, which has a whole bunch of swallow nests in it. Okay. And owls have been known to roost in there. Snowy That's owls, neat. barn owls. Wow. Um, others as well. What a cool animal. Yes. That's, that's I want to cite one historical note here. One of my favorite ornithologists of all time is a guy named Arthur Cleveland Bent. And he was responsible for putting together anthologies of the life histories of, of the birds of North America during the mid-1900s. He worked for the Smithsonian Natural History Museum. Um, and he put together these immense ornitholo- ornithological notes a lot so of more natural history of the birds. Oh yeah, it's all natural you history. You mentioned it's something like that before with Paul Ehrlich, didn't Okay, Ehrlich, Ehrlich Ehrlich took a lot of his stuff and then kind of synthesized it into a different form. But what I love about Bent is, you know, it's mid 1900 prose. And so he And takes, that's what I want. It's beautiful stuff. Yes, I I'm always searching for good, not just the facts. I mean, you can pull up facts on some website. Facts are cheap. But it's facts are Fine, but it's uh, it's wonderful, and this is where I'm. You know, some people are just data junkies; they want the facts. Yeah, and it doesn't matter as long as it's just grammatically correct. We aren't data junkies. No, we want it to be presented accurately, but also with beautiful prose. Amen. And so, yeah, I want to uh, write that guy's name down so I can. Yeah, Arthur Cleveland Bent. He so, called so is the... he kind of like Fabre is to birds is to well. That's an interesting analogy. F- Fabre did about uh, wrote about insects. Yeah, with beautiful nineteenth century prose. Yeah, this guy similar. Yeah, I think I'd say he's similar. Most of the beautiful language there is him quoting other people. So okay. he, he was kind of like Aristotle. He interviewed everybody okay. and got their take on creatures. And right, he, but then uh, he put it in his own, like he, he he got the farmer Bob that told him about yep. what this bird was doing or whatever, and then he wrote it down in his... Yeah, in these uh, in these massive life histories. So birds, uh, life histories of the birds in North America. It, there are dozens of volumes... Um, and What's his first? Arthur Cleveland Bent. Arthur Cleveland He's Bent. really fabulous. So okay. here's what he said about the barn owl. A most efficient living mousetrap. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the kind of personality yeah. he was. At least that's my impression of him. Right. Uh, just really someone who who loved uh, the beauty and wanted to convey that, not just, not just the kind of the data dump. Right. As you're mentioning right. there. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, one other very cool thing that makes uh, owls in general um, such formidable hunters is their uh, silent flight. Mm. And um, I'm sure other owls have these features, but I know that for sure barn owls do. 
Um, and what, and I don't know the physics, uh, totally, but the feathers on the leading edge of their wing, um, the feathers have these serrations Mm -hmm. that, uh, actually start to, um, uh, break up, uh, the, the air when it's flowing on the lead, it hits the leading edge, it breaks up the air. And then the trailing edge of the wing of the flight feathers has all the, these hair, like these hair, like fringes, mm. you know, like the fringes of your, um, you know, back in the day that we used to have cutoffs Yeah, that you would fringe the edge of the cutoff and your jeans. Yep. So these little hair, like fringes on the, on the trailing edge and then the serrations on the leading edge, um, break up the air such that it quiets it yeah, and reduces the turbulence. I don't know exactly how it works, yeah, but also even the barbules on the, on the flight feathers covering the surfaces of the wing, not just the leading and the trailing edge, but on the, on the surface, uh, you've got, um, these hair like extensions coming off the barbules, which are a part of the feather. And that, um, really lessens the noise during the wing beat. So they've got all of these cool, almost microscopic, um, little, um, add-ons yeah. that really, uh, make them effective at night. Yeah. Right. And, and quiet their, their wing beats. Yeah. Uh, so that the prey are less, uh, aware of what's going on around them. Yeah. And just, so just it's, it's a stealth. It's yeah, like it's, a stealth bomber. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's stealth mode. You know, just like you know, there's so many sounds during the daytime, you really don't need that. Mm-hmm. And we've all, we've all, um, or many of us have heard a goose, uh, uh, set its wings and about to land or a duck fly by and you can hear that wind yeah. whistling through their wings. You yeah. can hear that with raptors too. Well, I remember um, when we were on fire crew, when we were, um, up in Northern Washington, and we were playing, uh, we would, on our time off, you know, after a day's work, we would be th- going down to this one place where we had um, horseshoes. And we were, and they're big, big old ponderosa pines and night hawks would be swooping down. Oh, that's a cool bird. And the, the night hawks would come down really fast and then pull out. And when they pulled out, it just sounded like a TIE fighter. Like, (laughs) (laughs) that was good. (laughs) Um, and just made that turbulence on the wing edge cutting through the air just made a lot of noise. Yeah. Um, and owls have these features, these little, uh, almost microscopic features that dampen that sound. It's an amazing thing to see, to notice that a bird just flew over you and you didn't hear it at all. Mm -hmm. That it, that is kind of remarkable. I love it. You know, raptors, maybe one last thing for me on raptors, then and Gordon, I'll let you kind of wrap up if you have anything sure. else to, to throw at. Uh, like most raptors, barn owls, um, the females are a little bit larger. Um, and so I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the same with many hawk species. The females are a little bit larger than, than the males. Right. So a little bit of um, sexual dimorphism. They mm-hmm. look They look mostly the same. Right. Their coloration, their plumage, but the size is a little bit different. 
Another cool thing is that they're monogamous. They, yeah, you know, for life. You know, for life. Unless and, their unless spouse uh, dies. Yeah, and then they find, you know, to death to us part. Yeah. Do you say spouse ever? Do you ever use terms like that? Do the ornithologists? No. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I... Uh, I just, yeah, the, the only reason I asked that spouse, is... Spouse, they, 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 they are monogamous unless yeah. they're, they're um, mate. I yeah. guess ornithologists would say mate uh, right. dies. Then they find another one. But yeah, it's interesting. And and, and the male will... Um, this is similar to humans where, you know, if a, a guy is taking out the girl, they go to a restaurant, you know? Yeah. And the male barn owl presents... All these, you know, lots of food, lots of gifts, lots of here's a here's mutilated a dead, here's field a bunch. mouse. Yeah, here's <laughs> here's a dead mouse, and I've got more. <laughs> I've got more than your other so, suitors. I can bring in a whole lot more dead voles. Sometimes I just I love it when my students say things like they're talking about animals and they're talking about the children or the babies. Sometimes I just let them go without without correcting them, just because right. I love that. Yeah, you know we uh, we share a lot in common mm-hmm. with many other creatures, and and so yeah. that that language can be fun to play with. Very so, good. Yeah, and um, so and the, and they don't um, they don't live very long. It's four. I think I read that uh, four four years about. Yeah, that's surprising. But they can they can I guess in some protected situations can live. Um, quite a bit longer. Yeah. But usually uh, death comes through. Um, one of the biggest causes of death is starvation mm. because they don't, they don't migrate. And so if, if there's a, like a heavy, heavy snow cover, yep. um, it's, it's harder for the barn owls to um, make a living. There are certain owls that are really good at, at um, you know, you've got your great gray owls and snowy owls that, uh, seem to be really adapted to the to the higher latitudes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, the barn owls barely get into southern Canada, out west, and uh, so starvation um, takes yeah. a toll. Yeah, it keeps their average lifespan down quite a bit. But I think some um, I don't know if it was a captive specimen, but some have gotten into the teens. Um, as far as age, but that's not typical. Yeah. It's um, an awesome animal. Yeah, it's an awesome animal. So uh, next week we will, um, well, we'll figure out. We'll move from the air to the ground, Yeah, possibly. Yeah, keep your eyes out. Uh, owls, they're the earliest, often the earliest to, to mate and breed. They're well they're well past the breeding season uh, now, and they, their babies are probably out of the nest even by now. But uh, still, uh, evening, uh, you can, in a lot of the country, um, you, can hear, uh, you can hear barn owls, you can hear great horned owls as well. So keep oh, your ears oh, yeah. open. And this is just a, a recommend. We may have mentioned this before. Um, awesome website, All About Birds. Yeah. And it's allaboutbirds.org, I think, Ish. or dot. It's from Cornell. It's Cornell. Yeah, they, they are sort of the uh, ornithological um, uh, dot org. mecca. They okay. really are. They, Cornell they University. Are the, they are the quintessential bird department. And um, 
they have quite a warehouse and of they've photos, got this, audio. Yeah, and they this all about birds. It's a really slick website. You can go there and you can type in um, a bird name, common name, and then it'll pull up the bird. And then you can uh, there's these nice little concise entries on uh, nesting or diet or and then you can even click on the sound um so the so, so that you can hear what the bird sounds like so um actually um w- yeah will has just pulled up the barn owl and is playing for us the sound of the barn owl that wasn't static let's that, see so there you go. horrific. Yeah. I love it. And if it's loud, it can be pretty, pretty crazy. But anyway, it's a great website. Um, check it out and you can get all the information plus more that you want to know about yeah. a particular species that you might be seeing. It can be American Robin to barn owls to whatever. So anyway, stuff. well, that's it for... That's a good that's a good uh, creature feature. Thanks, Gordon. You bet. You guys have an awesome weekend. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. And remember, for all your homeschool science needs, go to noeoscience.com. That's N O E O science.com.